When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes. Yes. Is fucking mic working, Jackson? Yeah. Jackson, this is our seventh take. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, welcome, friends, to the Tim McKernan Show. It's questions from the audience. Uh, today's date, Thursday, November 16th, 2023. We are in the Longo Big Studios. Timothy Michael McKernan, Jackson Burkett, KG and O-Town with a cameo, and then Peter Rep is here, but most likely not participating. McKay and O-Town is participating. Welcome to the Longo Big Studios, and welcome to QFTA. Been waiting for this moment for a long time. Is that right? I've you never wanted, missed an, a call up. Never missed an episode. A lot of people like that QFTA. You got any erotic stories today? No, not at all. Let's see what I got here. I'll tell you exactly what. I'll go into the QFTA file. We haven't gotten one since August. Cuffing season leads to... Yeah, and the one in August sucked. It's like some guy throwing well, so we up. We had in two a... of them in one. Yeah, like somebody threw up on somebody. Yeah. Let's see what we got here. Uh, oh, this this is like a really kind one. How about this? I don't even know if this is for QFTA. Uh, hey Tim, just listened to the most recent episode and wanted to commend you and Jackson for having a very respectful and honest discussion on racism, bigotry, anti-Semitism. I say anti. Anti. Either way. Yeah. Uh, boy, I was not expecting that, but I really appreciated Jackson's perspective and willingness to educate us on his experience. I'm not sure how to let him know, but I appreciate if you could either share this feedback with him or let me know how I can email him directly. How about that? That's from Dan. Thanks, Dan. Dan. Yeah, thank we, you. We got a few emails on on that. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was good to see. Good to see people had a positive response to that because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a it's a really tough topic. And it's so, there's so many layers to it. So to like, you know, kind of briefly touch on it is only doing, you know, part of it. But I, I'm glad to hear that people had a positive Why is beyond your years. Thank you. Appreciate that. And thank you to Dan. That's a very wonderful email to send. You know, it, it's, it's easy to send something when you're complaining or upset about something. Uh, but actually, I respect and, and really appreciate more when people send something positive. I, I agree with that, not just because... Mm-hmm. We're on the receiving end of the negative ones quite often, but the presence of mind to go, you know what, usually I complain, but in this case, I'm grateful for something, and it'll take me one minute, and it'll mean a great deal, especially Absolutely. to somebody who is 25 and talking about an incredibly difficult topic. You can be 75 and have a tough time talking through it, and I do agree you handled that incredibly well. Thank you. Uh, KG and O-Town, this one's QFTA STL Chiefs fans. Uh, it's from Kenny Wu. Ooh. Woo, woo, woo. K- 
Kenny. Well, Kenny you're sitting Wu. in Doug's chair. Yeah, and I am sitting in Doug's chair. Peter Rep's in my chair, and KG is in Iggy's chair. Keeping it warm for him for tomorrow. Right. Jackson's in the Plowhawks chair, just to give you a visual here in the Longo Big Studios before I read it. Thank you to all of the sponsors who make this uh, podcast possible. Uh, that's James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, online at carltoninsurance.net. He is my insurance agent, and I would like him to become your insurance agent. He has 339 five-star reviews. Uh, that just uh, tells you what kind of operation they're running in Webster Groves. That's James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And then Seth Goldcamp is, we are sitting here on November 16th. Had I not asked Jackson to do it, I believe he would be on the golf course right now, even though it's 418, which means it's getting dark. God, it's 67 degrees. How about that? Yeah. This has got to be it. Yeah, tomorrow it's going to be warm. Saturday it's borderline. But at like for Thanksgiving, we're freezing. Oh, my God. How yeah. about that? The two yeah. coldest days in the last month are going to be Halloween and Thanksgiving. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, yeah. And a week I have prior. 37 on Thanksgiving. Yep, almost 70 degrees, and then it's going to drop to about freezing. Crazy. Unbelievable. Uh, but get your furnace tuned up with Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. All you do is click on designairservice.com. And click book now, and they'll come over. They did that with me. Doug is a client as well, Doug Vaughn of TMA. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. Jackson, why don't you tell the people about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies? Because I, he's a wonderful gentleman. He is indeed, and I had a I had a meeting with Mark Hanna yesterday. Oh, is that right? You were trying to figure out where to launch some of that that capital. Right, right. Yeah, well, I'm looking at so many different options in terms you of, you know, yeah, venture capital. You said you wanted some risky plays. Yeah, said, yeah. I've got enough blue chip. Let's go risky. No doubt. Yeah, looking in a bunch of different markets, uh, yeah. foreign markets. I know you're <laughs> in the foreign markets. Yeah, but I had a meeting with him at his office. And, How's uh, that office look? Good. Yeah. Real good. Real good. Uh, great spot right there, real close to here. And it was wonderful. And I think I left it. It's by the shack. Right by the shack, right by Grassi's. And uh, it was lovely because you had a conversation. Of course, we talked a little bit about finances and stuff and some habits to get into and some, some good strategies, but more so we talked about life. And I think the best way to describe a conversation with Mark Hanna is he knows exactly how to balance your perspective when it comes to the sliding scale or the, the spectrum of happiness and money. That that yeah, that balance, Jackson. that balance, and he's that so really good. Nice. He's so good at explaining that to his clients. I left that meeting with such a big smile on my face. Not only because it was a great meeting and there was good things discussed, but because I know I have somebody like him in my corner, and that is worth everything to me. That's exactly why I work with Mark Hanna, and it's exactly why you should work with Mark Hanna. His number is 314-889-0503, or you can go online at evergreenstl.com. Both Jackson and I feel the same way about Mark. He really is first class, and you're right, balancing life perspective with financial perspective. And finally, Munganass St. Louis Acura and Munganass Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com, the official HVAC, or excuse me, automotive provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast and the presenting sponsor of Balloon Party. Jackson, did you miss it today? Be honest with me, because you know, there it is. <laughs> that was a no. I do love doing Balloon Party, like for real. I do thoroughly enjoy doing it with you. Um, but you know, when you don't, you're just not having to do something that you normally do, it breaks it up a little bit. The, right. the, I love doing balloon party afterwards, posting the podcast and stuff and doing all the other stuff. The menial jobs. It, it just gets a, a, a tad tedious, but that's the, that's the gig. You know, that's, you get to goof around for four hours with people you really like. And so part of that is doing something. Then, the then you pay stuff. the bill. Then you pay the tab at the yeah, end of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. At that's 11 exactly o'clock, you pay is. the tab. That's exactly what it is. So not doing that, I would say is actually like. 
I, I appreciate that. But doing the show itself, I really do enjoy. How was TMA today? Uh, it was good. It was good. There it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> here, here, here's, here's. How it's, it's very uncomfortable, and Jackson knows. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, Usually, I'll text him, but in this case, I got to ask him face to face. Well, the KG No Town's giving off tells down at the end of the dais. It got to a point. There was a one point where I turned to Doug and started talking about blues hockey. If that gives you any indication well, of where the if show I'm was not mistaken, at, the time, they didn't play last evening as we sit here. Didn't you matter. Preview the matchup with the the powerhouse that is the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, we really got. We broke it down. You I know, they have two wins on the season as we are. Listen, you go to Northern California, and if you can come back without any sure. blood on your jersey, you're just happy to escape there. You know. No, I know what you mean. With your ass. Can you name a player on the Sharks, Jackson? No, I don't know if I could name one on the Sharks in 2023. Is uh, Timo traded? Meyer? Is he still there? Okay. But I mean Thomas Hurdle? The, the the hand pass threesome. Erickson. They're all gone. Was Erickson one of those? Is there an Erickson? Carlson? Carlson. Carlson. Thornton and Burns. That was the hand pass threesome. Am I correct on that? I think they that's sat right. there smugly after game three. That in the was hand so pass, great. And then they just got skull fucked the rest of the way. But what if Evander Kane didn't hit the didn't post? Didn't hit the post. <laughs> that was unbelievable. That broadcast was up there with the Missouri-Georgia broadcast and Aaron Taylor and whoever that other guy was. That was horrendous. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Sharks have two wins. That's correct. Two, 13, and one. There you go. The uh, right. Sharks are sitting there with five points. They're the only team in the NHL with single-digit points, and you and Doug broke that down. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, and we, we're both really looking forward to the 9.30 puck drop. That's just outstanding. Sure. Yeah, love a nice West Coast game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be a nice uh, palate cleanser after Missouri-Minnesota. Uh, oh, so, yeah, you got that going. Yeah, 8 p.m. Oh, boy, I'm all nervous. Are you really? Well, the win against Memphis would mean that this was kind of free rolling, and now you kind of you got to get some non-con wins, and you got Kansas and Illinois coming down the pike, so it's oh, be good. He's nervous on November 16th about his fighting Tigers. Yeah. I say his. I just don't have the investment. I get it. Uh, the three of us here, Peter, you're always welcome to chime in, but Peter's sitting here working on Sound Story, uh, which is why I'm in the facilities on my day off and will be in the facilities again on my day off tomorrow. Um, and Peter sits here and works with me, as does KG and Otan. And hell, Jackson does too. Um, the level of nerves for Saturday, Missouri, Florida, is that number still at 10, by the way? Probably 10. I thought it was 10 and a half. I don't think it's moved. I, Missouri has a 70% chance of winning both of their remaining games, for the record, in yeah. football. Yeah. If you were so Missouri could lose to Minnesota tonight, and I might have to be reminded about it, honestly. <laughs> but if Missouri lost to Florida, it wouldn't bother me like the LSU loss mm-hmm. and the Georgia mm-hmm. loss. I think it would bother some Missouri fans, maybe more, actually, yeah. and, which is kind of an odd. I'm not saying they're odd. I'm just saying my view on it. But uh, that, that would... Uh, I think it would hurt some of the momentum, but I'm already sold on the product, the program, excuse me, taking significant steps. So, you know, lost to Florida. They're already out of the college football playoff mix, so it kind of doesn't, it wouldn't bother me as much. What about you boys? It would leave a bad taste in my mouth um, because I think this team is Would it bother you more than LSU and Georgia? Definitely not. No, no, no. What about you, KJ? No tenders real quickly. Let me go around here. Yeah. I think it would. Wow. I think it would, just because I expect... You come in here and go all contrarian. No, I but... I like this. It's good. I, I expect a win Saturday. 
I'm looking to get those you last two. You didn't expect two. the wins in the other two? Not necessarily. Yeah. I thought I I had a little money on Mizzou Moneyline against Georgia, and I legit thought they could have gotten it done. Obviously, it didn't happen, but uh, I'm looking for that New Year's Six Bowl, and I think it would really it would really bother me to have a letdown on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would. All right, nothing wrong with that. I, hey, I'll be I'll be irritated too. It just would not to the level of the like my intensity. I, I, honestly, I'm, I it's our anniversary this uh, weekend, and we're going to dinner at the exact time of the game, and so that is that kind of gives you an idea. Right. I, I I could have been invited to a daisy chain during the Missouri Georgia game, and I would have politely declined. Right. So it gives you an idea of where I am on what, what dog shit timing that would have been. The daisy chain? Yeah. Hey, we have a daisy chain at 2.30 on Saturday. Tim, we'd like you to be there. It's going to be all women engaging in oral, but we'd like to have you there. Uh, isn't that it just your will, dream? It'll get everybody really aroused <laughs> if you're sitting there. Sure. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to have to decline. Missouri's playing Georgia. Can you start the daisy chain a little earlier? Yeah, or later. Well, if I, if they lose, I might not be in a great spot. Right. Well, nothing would cheer you up quicker. Yeah, than a, than a daisy chain. That could be the title of today's podcast. Oh, the number is 11 and a half. Okay, so it's moved up a point. Yeah. Nice. Point and a half. I saw 10. I guess you saw 10 and a half. I thought I saw go. 10, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, I thought, yeah, I mean, that means a lot of money is coming to Missouri. I guess the only fear, because they're clearly more talented than Florida, but the only fear is. I have is not seen much of Florida at all this year. I saw them. Dick around at the end with South Carolina That's to beat the them. Game. I saw him get pounded by Georgia. Yeah. I don't think I saw any of their win against Tennessee. Maybe some of that Utah game that started the season back in August. Yeah, yeah. That but game, I mean, that you game know, teams are quick. like Alabama's a completely different football team now than they were then. Big time. Yeah, totally. But the Florida South Carolina game, that was one of the weirder games. Because that was right before the Kentucky Missouri game, I feel like. Yeah. So, because that was a night game. So I watched a little of that, but I do not know much about Florida. Anybody want uh, any of this? I'll take Tennessee and the 10 points. 10 points at Neyland. I, I I thought I was going to have people jumping all over that. Well, I, You get Georgia? Yeah, but Georgia just needs to win. Like They're not in the mode where they have to go beat somebody's ass. Like They control their own destiny probably more than any other team in the oh, nation. You're all groans up and you're all groans up. I thought I was going to take 100 off you real quick. Well, if you remember, I said if Tennessee beat Missouri that that's – atmosphere at Neyland would be the best atmosphere in all of college football this year. And I still think it's going to be right up there, even though I'm sure Tennessee fans are – if I was despondent after LSU, I can only imagine what they're going like after Cody Schrader just ripped him a new yeah. asshole. Um, but I still think they want – they like – more so than any fan base, I feel like they just want to beat other teams so they can rub it in their face. So I bet <laughs> that atmosphere is going to be raucous uh, in Knoxville. So I think Georgia wins 10 – points kind of scares me to an extent all right the number started at eight and a half it's up to 10 and 85 percent of the bets on georgia 86 percent of the money so there is not a uh yeah discrepancy so there's, there's there. not a discrepancy there i'll take it you want it i'll all take right. georgia all right 100 how about 50 all right it's fine i thought you throw around 100 dollars bets with Iggy. I don't know how that rumor got started. It was only a $50 okay, bet. Fair 50's kind of my unit size. All right, that's fine. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm like, oh, if you're doing 100 with Iggy, then I assume... I think losing that money to Iggy... Losing the bet to Iggy hurt worse than the actual <laughs> loss itself. 100%. I get that. What, Jackson, you have you been in the... LSU game? What's that? You lost the LSU game? I did, yeah. Oh, God, I would... Uh, yeah. Well, he took them... It, we did uh, straight up. We didn't have a spread there. 
You wouldn't have even covered the spread because of right, that pick six. Bad beat season. Well, he Ooh. said they were going to lose by 21. Yeah. But you know he doesn't really <laughs> follow anything. <laughs> Makes a lot of declarative you know. statements. Have you guys been to Neyland Stadium? I have not. I, I have. I don't even know what SEC. I think I've been. I've, well, I've been to Gainesville, but it wasn't at a game. I've, I've been to a game, Auburn, Arkansas, and Fayetteville, War Memorial, and Little Rock. I think that's the extent of my SEC travels. I am not a well-traveled. I, I've also driven by Baton Rouge. After the Rammies lost to the Patriots, came over, he flew us out of Baton Rouge. I went to that oh, one. Yeah, the last time the zoo was okay. down there, I made that trip. That was a hell of an environment. I think we got boat raced that night. But... Oh, you went to Baton Rouge? Yeah. Oh, did you? That was 2017. Yeah. I think the Mad Hatter had just been whacked, I think. That sounds right. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, that Neyland, they get over 100,000 in there. That place is crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's like a... Yeah, and it's like, right on the river, just a cool environment for a fall football game. strikes me as... Let me put it this way. If I were running a book, I would expect a shitload of Georgia bets on Saturday. That's... that's Yeah, it's, it might be the squarest play of the... I'm gonna, hey, I, by the way, it could hit. Now, if this oh, were yeah. if this were uh, NFL, I'd be like, oh, my God, I got a bet on Tennessee. It just There's something about... I, the way I... The reason why I'm... And then, like, 100% successful with college bets. But I feel like I do pretty damn well with college gambling, college football gambling, is recognizing how wide the range is for an 18- to 22-year-old psychology. And for the Tennessee kids, I say kids, but 18- to 22-year-olds, they, they're, I don't think they're, like, on the ground. I think they're going, holy shit, that just happened and now we got a chance to play Georgia I think we're gonna I just think that they're not as bad as they looked against Missouri and Georgia isn't as dominant as they looked against Ole Miss it was just the optimal matchup for Georgia just like I thought Missouri was going to be a tough matchup for Georgia and why I thought LSU might be tough for Missouri um and so I just kind of I'm just like this is I I guess I I don't know if I really care who wins I suppose if I have money on Tennessee I guess I would bet it but uh I want Tennessee to win but I don't know. I just want to win my money. I don't really give a fuck if Tennessee wins. I yeah. was worried about the Tennessee game with Mizzou for that reason. I didn't know how they would react no, after that was, the, that was the my Georgia thing. For not wanting to touch it. But, you know, hey, that, that's the thing with Missouri, I'm like. And I thought James Carlton and Gabe Bjarman talked about that. The, uh, the leadership on this team reminds them of 2007, and they didn't have that on the 2008 team. And I don't know who he was talking about that they lost. Witherspoon would be one. Willie Moe. Willie Moe yeah. would be another one. The tight ends? E. Rucker, yeah, that's nice. Kaufman. I don't know if Kaufman was gone in 08 or I feel not. like he was a senior in 07. I could be wrong on that, but certainly Willie Moe and Witherspoon, those two. And so that that they lost it, and this team just isn't going to let that happen. So, you know, I assume that yeah. for, for the Florida game, but... You know, Florida, I mean, Billy Napier, I still think, is fighting for his life. They're starting to lose some recruits, too. That's an important thing. Yes, it is. But with Missouri, I think, especially defensively, they have a ton of guys who are, like, fringe draft picks who can really improve their stock just late in the year, especially with Missouri now, nationally televised game, number a top-ten team in the country. Like, if you're Chris Abrams-Drain, Darius Robinson – uh, whoever you are, Ennis Rakestraw, you can really improve your stock in these last couple games. So I think they're still yeah. going to be going balls to the wall. And even guys on offense who won't be eligible till next year. Sometimes the senior night thing is weird. Guys have sometimes there's some emotion there, and they take some time to settle in. It's a, it's a little weird play. It can go the other way. You can mm-hmm. be fired up and go off. Yeah. 
Yeah. But uh, there have been some weird senior nights as well. So either way, uh, here is a, another from the uh, listeners. Let's see what we got. Oh, can, do you, does anybody wear a whoop but me in here? Anybody no, I'm Apple kind of, Watch. You're Apple Watch. All right, here we go. Tim just finished this week's sewed of QFTA and loved the discussion on wearables. I, like you, have been wearing a whoop for three years and wholeheartedly agree on how it's changed my life. While drinking and eating late should be easily identifiable things that impact one's sleep, it's really impactful when you see the data to support it. Uh, I have done the Apple Watch, Fitbit, etc., but I feel the whoop blows the others out of the water. Agreed, it's not for everyone, but I'm 33, track all fitness, water, and calories consumed daily, and it's the best option out there to keep me committed to staying the course. That is from the Ilsida. Um, I've never worn anything but a whoop. I am insane with tracking all of this stuff, and uh, I've learned more and more and more about it. How do you enjoy your Apple Watch? It keeps me on. Do you track the fitness on there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I used to worry more about the steps and the movement, but I've kind of gotten away from that and kind of just focus on trying to hit the calorie burn goal. That's the number I look at the most. I don't track my food like you do, which I probably need to do, but yeah, I feel like it keeps me on track. Yeah. I, I, I love it because I can tell, I mean, the data confirms how I feel when I wake up to know, you know, but I love to see how much REM sleep I got, how much deep sleep I got. I'm a piss poor sleeper, so I, I wish I tracked that a little more too because I'd like to get that under control. And it's just one of those things. And honestly, hey, man, listen, I mean, I would talk about it on TMA. Like the fact that I would eat as a, you know, whatever, I guess, thin guy a bag of family-sized caramel M&Ms, like at 8.30 at night, and then get up at 5 or 5.30 and just take in all of that shit, empty calories and chocolate, caffeine. And I did that for, like, a couple of years. Holy shit. You know, I mean, what in the world that I look back on that now? So the thing about eating, you know, even after 7 o'clock when you get up at 5 or 5.30 and how much it impacts you, at the same time, I've also found with regards to these conversate with regard to these conversations about health, just as an observation, that people don't like to hear it. Um, they can take it in a uh, I don't know what the right word for it with like we are being or I am being condescending about it, and uh, it's certainly not coming from me, you know. It's just, it's like, if anything, people ask about it, and I will tell you my experience with it and how it's helped, and it's up to you what you want to do with it. I couldn't care any less, but I have found how helpful it is to, like, not only for weight loss or weight gain, but to just, like, turn it off. And the key to it, to me, is brushing your teeth. Once you brush your teeth, it ends all desire to eat. It is a magic trick. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It really is. Yeah, it's a good play. I mean, you guys are going out and having booze. and Okay, well, you're not. You are. <laughs> I was asleep at 7.30 the other oh, night. Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's impressive. The last time I looked at my phone before I rolled over, it was 7.18, and I'm fairly confident I was out by 7.30. You're going out and chasing ass? Uh, unless the ass is on my couch, <laughs> it will not be found. <laughs> it will not be Either way, it's a different deal. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I'm at a different point in my life, but that is... That is something that I've observed. And then there are the rare nights where I do get intoxicated, and it's just like I'll get like a you know, terrible night's sleep. You can and tell on your, like, oh, on your sleep data. Yes, you can tell that you had absolutely. some booze. One of the big stats on WHOOP is your sleep recovery. 
And so, um, as I've been telling you guys throughout the course of the day, I can tell I am not feeling great. I don't think I'm like super ill or anything, just for the record. But last night, you know, let's see, I slept from 1025 to 625. How convenient. Eight hours on the nose. Mm. Um, but I just could tell I just didn't feel great. And I felt sick, though. You know, not like I didn't slept poorly. The sleep quality was good. But the recovery was in the yellow and a good night's sleep will put you with also the health things put you in the green and then the bad ones are the ones in the red and you will usually you don't even need to see it you'll know it before you even look at it right you know on an ideal night for you if you don't have a lot going on with responsibility wise what time do you like to be asleep by what time are you getting up by a lot of it isn't like to i will just fall asleep yeah um in the 9 30 to 10 range like almost religiously occasionally there'll be a 10 to 10 30 or a 9 to 9.30, but 9.30 is the median, without question, yeah. And then I'll wake up, even like today, like my wife's like, man, why are you getting out of bed? I'm like, I gotta work on sound stories, so I gotta, gotta go. Because, uh, you know, she's like, you ought to sleep in as much as you can. I'm like, I gotta work, it doesn't matter. But uh, I, I, I don't, now that I do it, I like getting up, but a lot of that, again, I'm, I'm in a room with, Three people who don't have children, but the the value of having the time before everybody wakes up and being able to get things done. And also, even before we had kids, I remember saying how much I loved like 5 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. because it was the only time of the day, especially when I was operating stations, where I wouldn't get a bunch of texts or emails. So it was like the one time of the day where I experienced some form of peace, you know, without people, you know, nobody's doing anything wrong. It's my job, but asking questions or requesting things or I need to bother them you know so I love the serenity of the morning with that said I would not give up the creepery of the evening that I enjoyed low so many years ago right so you, you know? burn it on both ends yeah yeah back then yeah, I just right, had a terrible right. sleep schedule I had a delayed sleep pattern it was an absolute mess I feel so badly for people who have sleep issues I say it over and over again but my god um I feel that way all right here's we're gonna wrap it up here I'm anxious to get your guys' perspective on this. This is the woo-woo Kenny Woo one. Hey, Tim, on TMA, you mentioned that St. Louis Chiefs fans is the most cucky thing ever. Uh, I am paraphrasing, but I think I have heard you mention that you you don't fault a business for making business moves, legally, of course. I know you've mentioned before about Clark Hunt being the vote to move the Rams during the 5-1 voting. Because of the Hunt vote, you've said you think it's odd for past Rams fans to adopt the Chiefs. Again, paraphrasing. I am one who adopted the Chiefs because of Andy Reid and the Arrowhead experience. This was prior to Mahomes. But regarding the Hunt move, I suppose I view it as a business move to open the St. Louis market. It's cutthroat, but I imagine that sort of thing happens all the time with businesses. Do you see the Hunt vote as something different? Am I missing something that Hunt did that is more of a wrongdoing? I completely understand the whole one-state marketing with Mahomes and Kelsey at the Blues game is not based on a genuine care for the state or for St. Louis, and I don't put any stake in that. I'll never be a, quote, fan in the sense of those who have been lifetime fans of the team, but I suppose I'm just curious as to why you view the St. Louis Chiefs fandom as such a cucky thing, as such an avid Rams fan during the Bradford years, as Jackson's seen friends or people around his age adopt the Chiefs, and how does he feel about it? Thank you guys for taking the question, and may the upcoming holiday season bring you joy and threesomes. Thanks. That's from number 16, Kenny Wu. Um, I read that. I read that when he sent it, and he sent it this past Friday. We were talking on Thursday. And 
my honest reaction is I shouldn't have said it. Not because I'm like, ooh, I hope I don't get fired. I don't fucking care. Because I really, when it gets down to it, that's not really, really how I feel. What he said is more along the lines of how I feel. I think nine out of ten, if not more, of the St. Louisans who have adopted the Kansas City Chiefs have no idea about the details of that vote. I'm not sure they would care at this point either. I mean, it's getting to a point of being, it'll be eight years in two months since that vote. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. January of 16. Yep. Um, And I think a lot of the people, like when my son, who's six, goes, why do you hate the Chiefs? And I go, I don't hate them. And then I go, the Rams used to play them, and it's like, why am I even bothering? But, you know, he goes, you don't like, like the players? And I go, no, I have nothing against the players. I just, it's, it's so to say it's cucky is not fair. It's and I, and I shouldn't have said it. And again, that's not like I would like to apologize. I don't apologize. I suppose I what I'm saying is I really don't think it that way because I don't think most people are like, oh, I'm a Chiefs fan because Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes showed up the Stanley Cup final, mm-hmm. or I'm a Chiefs fan because Ryan O'Reilly and the Blues skated around pregame one time with the Chiefs helmets on. They're Chiefs fans because of either the Missouri thing, but more likely because the Chiefs happen to be the most exciting football team and they're four hours to the West. And you can sit there and go, well, they're in the state of Missouri. I need a team. They're fun to watch. And it's as simple as that. you know. And, and by the way, Clark Hunt, I'm, I'm not 100% sure for the record that's the reason why he voted for the Carson project or for the Inglewood project. To be clear, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I also know, I guess I shouldn't say I know, Clark Hunt's vote in a five to one where he was the one and the other five were obviously uh, for Carson. That's not what swayed this thing. They weren't like, hold on a second. It was five to one. Let's have a let's have a conversation. It was it was done. Right. And I think I just I found. I, I think at the root of this, Jackson, as a veteran of my mind in QFTA, I hate bullshit. Mm-hmm. And going to Mizzou in the 90s with the weird obsession, and I will never back down on this, that Kansas City people had with St. Louis, I still don't know what the fuck that was about. Uh, I, it's got to be less now, but maybe it's not. I don't know because I'm not there, and you are, were there just a few years ago. But you also experienced a group of fans who – they won a Super Bowl when you were there? They won when I was there. Okay, and they also had won a World Series. Yep. I got a group of people, I guess, for whatever reason, who were obsessed with St. Louis. I had, I Still, to this day, it freaked, it, you know, it's, it's an odd thing to me. I have no idea why. My theories on it were the one championship they experienced in their lifetimes were the 85 Royals. It was against St. Louis, but it was tainted. And I don't know what else to say, which is why I was so like, God, I hope nothing weird happens in the Blues road to the Stanley Cup because I, it, it'll, it'll taint it. And, they, and, and then, they, you know, then they doth protest too much. You know, and then, well, George Orta was out at third base anyway. And I'm like, yeah, it was a fielder's choice. You know, I mean, it's like we're really going to, like, play this out. And there's no point in doing it because it's coming from a place of emotion. And, you know, it's not necessarily a good faith conversation. But for whatever reason, they just shit on St. Louis. You guys want to be Chicago. And I'd be like, huh? Like, Chicago's a monster global city. St. Louis is fine. It's my hometown. Why are you so worked up about St. Louis? 
And then, and this was right after I left, then the Chiefs were so close to winning Super Bowls and had much better teams than the Rams, L.A. or St. Louis did, all throughout the 90s. I mean, they were in the AFC Championship. They had Montana. They had Marcus Allen. And then the Rams, out of nowhere, won a fucking Super Bowl. So then it's just like gasoline on the fire for those people. But since then, St. Louis has taken one trajectory. I am making a downward gesture, which Mm. I will stand by. Kansas City, I'm not saying it's become Austin or Nashville, but Kansas City is not heading in the St. Louis direction, and the Royals have won a World Series, and the Chiefs have won a World Series. So if you're still really worked up about St. Louis, it would almost be like my six-year-old picking on my Mm one-year-old. You know, like, okay, just kind of leave us be. We're we're dealing with our own shit, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it's a totally different mindset. So that's one side of the bullshit. Then the other side of the bullshit, I'm just like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, do they really want to be in St. Louis for a Stanley Cup game? You know, I don't believe that that was organic. But, hey, it's marketing, and I tip my cap. And then the Blues with the Chiefs helmets, that irritated me in the sense that it's like, I understand the average fan not knowing about the vote. I'd be surprised if everybody with the Blues... We're completely oblivious to it, but whatever, in the whole scheme of things. So that is where I would direct my, eh, that's a little gross Mm -hmm. because it's so, you know, I don't know. It's like, I don't know, it's like an influencer doing an ad read that's clearly a plant. (laughs) And I just go, ugh, it's (laughs) vomit-inducing. But the Chiefs helmets thing and Kelsey and Mahomes being here, that's not the reason why St. Louisans have adopted the Chiefs. They're here in Missouri, and they if the Chiefs were like, you know, who's dog shit right now? Take your – the New York Giants. Would there be a bunch of St. Louis area Chiefs fans? No. no. So I, I when I said that, I'm like, I really don't feel that way. And then Kenny Wu emailed it, and I'm like, yeah, I, I need to – take that back not because i'm like oh god hubbard is going to terminate me and my career will be ending but because i'm like yeah that's not really what i mean and just in the moment i said something that with the benefit of time i go yeah that's not really what i mean and i think i've said it over time as well but in that particular one i can see how somebody was like why are you saying that's cucky because you've talked about respecting business moves and that's absolutely what it is so there it is Boys, your thoughts. Skate, boy, skate. Skate, boy, skate. Yeah, I, I think if I deep psychoanalyze myself a, in this situation, I was always raised and always have and still feel this way that, like, you root for the home team. Like, you always uh, root for the team that you're from, where you're from, and I can't root for a team unless it says St. Louis across the chest or in the case of colleges, Missouri across the chest. I, I just can't, like, adopt a team and, like, be, yeah. say I'm a fan of them. And it always would – the right word is piss me off when I was younger and still times to this day when, like, my friends would be, like, fans of take your pick of random-ass cities team because they were good. Like, yeah. it's like it, – to me it was, like, circumventing – pain and anguish you go through when you're like a fan of the hometown team and you always have been and it's like oh i'm just gonna pick this team because they're good it's like ugh, that's it so doesn't work that way disingenuous to me and i hate that and so i just don't like picking up new teams and just saying oh i'm a fan of them and then like especially when you're like reposting their stuff on social media even grosser and then on top of that like people like at least my age who have now become chiefs fans and there's plenty of them 
they would have, they, they didn't they didn't care about the Rams. They were never at the Rams games. They didn't watch the Rams. And to to paraphrase a quote from the late great Kobe Bryant, you weren't in the gym shooting with us. You know, like yeah. you weren't watching. You weren't at the dome when they were dog shit, but people were still rooting for them. And now you're gonna say you're a Chiefs fan and gonna root for them and wear your Chiefs gear and take pictures and all this and go Chiefs. Like it's just so like lame to me like and it's probably me taking my fandom too seriously and i get that but like i said that's part of the fun of it is taking it seriously you know it's okay to be like i really love this shit and i take it seriously and so when people circumvent that in a way and i think this is a very um an easy excuse it's like oh my team left and they're in missouri and it's like oh pay no attention to like what you said tim that they have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were generational talents, and they're super exciting to watch. Right. Like, you enjoy watching them, be a fan. It's cool. I get that. But, like, the idea of it, like, is just, it's lame to me. I would describe it as lame, and I understand that that's Gen Z bullshit to some people. <laughs> but that's how I feel. I feel it's lame that you weren't a Rams fan. You didn't care about them. You didn't care that they really left, and you're using it as an excuse to become a Chiefs fan. That's where I'm at. All right, KG Noten. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to just, whoever you're a fan of, Plowsy wants to root for the Packers, have at it. I really don't judge anybody by that. But when I was teaching elementary school kids, there was tons of Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes jerseys. Yeah. They're exciting. They're marketable. These little kids didn't have a team to root for. So I kind of get it. I thought at first it was a little weird when the adult St. Louisans were acting like lifelong Chiefs fans. Right. doesn't really affect me one way or the other, but... I think most of my annoyance is with, like, the national media and the they're all over Mahomes' jock just week in, week out. Yeah. They've beat the Kelsey Taylor Swift stuff into the ground. So I think that's where my frustration lies. But I get why an 8-year-old kid hops yeah. on oh, the, yeah. the red and gold bandwagon. And that's and, the, I couldn't care any less yeah. in the whole scheme of that. I don't even know. That's the thing. When I look at that, it's one of those things, like, I'm glad I'm having this conversation about something that doesn't, you know, lead to, oh, I got to issue an apology or I'm going to get fired for, because sometimes you just say things in the midst of it. You're telling I me mean, we talk for however fucking long we right. talk every day. I mean, me and you do it for four hours and then we throw this thing in and sound story and, you know, talking constantly. And I'd like to think for the most part, I don't have too many where I go, what the fuck did I just say there? And this wasn't a big deal. But since this gentleman, woo, 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 Kenny Woo, brings it to my attention, I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel that way. I don't even know why the fuck I said that. I think deep down, like at its core, the Kansas City shit from the mid-1990s when I was at Missouri, it, it just caught me so off guard that I think that is at the core of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's where it is. But as far as like from a rational standpoint, when I have a chance to think about it, I go, yeah, I, I couldn't care any less. Like I don't even know. I, like Kansas, I don't have any ill will towards Kansas. I know you have a different perspective on that. And I think if we lived in Kansas City, we may have a different perspective on it. I don't have any ill will toward Illinois. I just don't. I don't have any ill will toward the Cubs. I couldn't all of a sudden hate the 49ers because, you know, we got like, well, we're in St. Louis. They're in San Francisco. I mean, that was an L.A. San Francisco thing. So I just, the truth is, I just don't really give a shit. I'm irritated by that vote, but I also don't think Clark Hunt's one vote played any role in what wound up happening, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think, if anything, I'm irritated by the shit from the 90s. And again, I, it's not like I spend time thinking about it. I'm just trying to psychoanalyze my thought process. And then also, I thought the thing with the, the blue skating around with the Chiefs helmets was just like, oh, come the fuck 
on. Right. But whatever. Pulling the wool over people's eyes. And I, I get and, an and And I'm just like, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I'm, like the standing ovations at Bush Stadium, it's more of a look. It's not real. Right. I think that's what I mean by I don't like the bullshit. Look at us. It, that, it's a look at It's not about really an appreciation for the player. It's about look at us. And yeah. I'm not saying that is for everyone who stands up, but that's what I don't have time for. That's what I, I go, okay, now that I know you're one of those people, it saves me time. We won't be hanging out, you know, so fine. Jack, you're one of the truest sons I've come across. Can you root for KU in any capacity? If it helps Mizzou, can you root for the Jayhawks? You would have in 2007. There's no way you wouldn't have. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember back then. I know you I know you were nine. Yeah, I was still very it, much. It, it absolutely was great for Missouri. Sure. Kansas was undefeated. And I remember I was sitting in Pinkle's kitchen with him, bullshitting after we did the podcast, just me and him. And it might have even been on the podcast, but then we wound up talking for a while after that. Uh, and I said, you had to be pulling for Kansas. Dude, I, was like, I wouldn't pull for Kansas under any circumstance. I'm like, and I get him saying that, and that's a nice little thing to say. But I'm like, that benefited Missouri that Kansas was ranked. And also, and this isn't because it's Kansas. I couldn't fucking care any less. Kansas just wasn't one of – Kansas wasn't at Missouri's level, you know, that in 2007. And that's not to say that Kansas wasn't better the following year. I don't know. 2007 was when it mattered. That's when they were playing for the national championship still. That's when it mattered. And there was just no way that Kansas was beating that team. And so it was a great situation because Kansas was kind of propped up by a pseudo Big 12 schedule that year, you know, to be the equivalent of being undefeated in the SEC and then having Missouri at the very end and you didn't play, I guess this year, Alabama or Georgia. You know, and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's kind of like Ole Miss against Georgia. I felt very comfortable that Georgia was going to beat them handily. If you looked at Ole Miss's work so far this year, that's kind of what Kansas was that year. And so it worked to Missouri's advantage for Kansas to be perceived greater than they actually were. And then it was that rivalry at Arrowhead Stadium. It worked to Missouri's advantage to beat them. If anything, Missouri probably should have beaten them by more than they did. And that was a bit of a miss, but it didn't matter. They still moved to number one in the country. So in that situation, what's good for business? Same thing that this gentleman points out. It's good for Kansas to win. Great. I'm not really worked up about their position in the Civil War, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Kansas football, like against Oklahoma, I was legitimately rooting for Kansas to beat them. Like that was, yeah. like it had benefit in Missouri, and it was just kind of cool to see. Kansas basketball never in a million years. Ugh. Yeah, yeah they, they, the Kansas, I, I don't, certainly don't have the ire. I am, I'm beyond amused by what goes on with the officiating in that building. And again, that's coming from somebody, and I've gone to a game there. I have an appreciation for the history of it, kind of like I do with Alabama football and Duke basketball. But it is phenomenal. And I'm taking the Phil Pressey thing out, and the Keon Dueling thing. Who knows all the shit that's going on? It's just, it's just comical, you know. Yes. I, I, and so it wasn't home. There was a game I think it was against Arkansas last year with Missouri that the calls oh, yeah. were just ridiculous. Yeah. I called attention to it, but what goes on at Fog Allen is. Just amazing, but I, that's one of my things with college basketball is the dramatic charge call that you know was coin flip and you know, yeah. Do you think that's just certain. a matter of officials getting caught up in the moment and the hype of the the home crowd, and that's where that kind yeah, of yeah, I, I actually comes do. From? I actually do think so, and I'm sure they're aware of it to an extent. I also think some of it's subconscious. That's why during the and I already made reference to it. Aaron Taylor and I and the other guy's name who was on the call the Missouri Georgia game. One of the things that is 
an, an amateur, for lack of a better term, or an inexperienced broadcaster tell is the, the play-by-play and color guy getting really worked up with the home team, even though they are a neutral broadcast. Not because Aaron Taylor was pulling for Georgia. He couldn't care any less. There's not a doubt in my mind. But they don't call a lot of games. They're in front of 93,000 people. And it just it's, it's, I think it's a subconscious thing. So as a broadcaster, if you're aware of that part of the psychology, then you have to be, you almost have to compensate more for it. So I know, like, for example, with Joe Buck, he hates his call of the 2006 Cardinals winning the World Series. And the reason he hated it was because he was so aware of the criticism he was going to get if he made a big deal out of it, because people, oh, you're a Cardinal fan, mm-hmm. that he downplayed it. He downplayed it. And while he said that's a World Series winner for the Cardinals, which was, a he had to be aware of it, kind of subtle tribute to his father, certainly not as pronounced as we'll see tomorrow night uh, in 2011, but when the Cardinals won the World Series in 82, he said that's a winner, a World Series winner for the Cardinals. Uh, and that's what he said in, in 2006, not those exact words, but he still was like understated with it. And I've either wrote that in his book or we just talked about it at one point, how much he didn't like that call because he, he downplayed it intentionally because he knew there was going to be criticism from, I guess, Tigers fans, uh, saying he's all excited because the Cardinals won. And when in reality, you take yourself out of that. And I, and I, maybe people understand that now because he's talked about it so much. But broadcasters just aren't pulling for teams. I don't think Aaron Taylor and that Sam guy were pulling for Georgia. I just thought they weren't really good, you know. Right. I'm not mad at him for not being really good. That just That's, was a shitty it – was, it was a shame for as good of a game as it was that it wasn't Nestler and Danielson, you know. Right. They had the B or C team because CBS had a triple header that day. Yeah. That's interesting on the Buck thing because I feel like whenever at least the Cardinals or honestly anytime I see the end of the 06 World Series, it's almost always Shannon's call on the radio. Oh, that's of, interesting. Of, you know, the Cardinals are World Series champions for the first time since 1982, or some some to that extent, or World Series champions for 2006. Like, I always, I remember that call. I never remember Bucks, but when they do the 2011, it's like the what a team, what a ride. <laughs> right. Which is much more, I feel like, I don't want to speak for Joe Buck, but like probably more to what he sure. wanted. Yeah, I think he won an Emmy. He won right. an Emmy for that World Series. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a lot of it was game six. It's sure. the first one to say, but he also was, that was one of the time when he was struggling with his voice. Mm. Um. And uh, so the, you'll also notice there that he doesn't sound, perhaps, but he, that's when he was dealing with that voice thing. I don't know if you guys I remember know that. that. That was like he was really worried he was gonna, his career was going to be over. Um, so... All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Uh, anything else? KG in O-Town, what would you like to say to the people? Your, 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 your debut episode here. Dream come true. Is it really? I think I'll have it. I I need to get a whoop band because I feel like tonight's going to be a rough night's sleep. I'd like to track it. Just thinking about this over and over again. Sure, absolutely. The thing is. How much deep sleep did you get? How much REM sleep did you get? Yeah, but I got to be ready because we got I'm on TMA again tomorrow. That's right. I am not, but I, I, yet I'll be here. Maybe I'll just like peek in. That'll Say, how do you do? Oh, really? You should call really get people in. going. Oh, I shouldn't do that? No, I think it'd be funny. Oh, is that right? I think it'd be, yeah. I'd get... Were you dealing with it today? 
Uh, I mean, the, the thing about it is, like, you can kind of control how much you're dealing with it because you kind of control, like, what text you read. Like, you can tell just some people are in there just to, like, be Do shit it. disturbers. Right. And it's like, okay, I recognize that. I get out of here. <laughs> and so I, I don't worry about that shit. But, like, when you're still getting a bunch of texts throughout the entire show, people are still listening, and that's really what you got to focus on. There was and a guy that must have said four times, four or five times a day he was done. Right. Oh, really? But it's, there you are. Because they want you to read it yeah. so that you can, so right. that, yeah, but... It's ultimately to uh, it's it's weird. That's one of those things that I talk about on QFTA that I know that if unless you are in the arena, so to speak, you can't possibly imagine. I think people think I, I guess, or maybe we, but probably more I, overstate these things. I guess now that well, what do you think? I mean, you you're behind, you're now in the trenches, so you actually get to to see that which you may have been skeptical of as a listener. It's eye-opening. <laughs> it's eye-opening. Yeah. And I don't even think you've necessarily seen any of the super crazy shit yet. No. A lot of penises. Like, the law hasn't been involved in 2023. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> Who was in the other... Maybe it was Greg Warren the other day that mentioned that there was a lot of male nudity in the text inbox, and yeah. I kind of thought maybe that was just a throwaway one-liner. Oh, but no. then I opened, the, I opened somebody's text today, and their text from Wednesday was, sure enough, an erect penis. Yeah, there's, there's one that's, like, that always gets sent in that's, like, a little creepily, like, like someone took that picture and, like, sent it in. Oh, no. And, like, I'm sure you, oh, if I showed I you. Oh, selfie? Yes, yeah. in the mirror. Yeah, that one's, like, that's not, like, one pulled off the internet. Yeah, and but I, I believe that's a black gentleman sent in by a white gentleman. <laughs> now, why... Why he's sending it in, I don't have the answer, but I believe I know who the gentleman is, and he's a white gentleman, and uh, the selfie is of a black gentleman. Again, it. why he's sending it, I don't have an answer, but at the same yeah. time, a guy sends in Mark McGuire's dick all the time. Yeah, that one doesn't even And I'm pretty me. confident that's not Mark McGuire. I'm also I don't want to say with certainty, though. <laughs> I'm also fascinated with the, the wives and girlfriend pick. Thing. I have no idea what that's about. That one's weird. I have no idea what that's about. That one's weird. Because Jay... <laughs> used to ask for it, and so I, you know, but he didn't, like, ask for it out of nowhere. Once it would happen, then then it would, when it just, like, comes up out of nowhere, and it's not just one person. There's kind of, like, five to ten guys just out of nowhere. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what, I don't know what to say. Congrats <laughs> you know? on the sex. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a unique deal, you know. Yeah. One may find their significant other attractive for their sake. I hope they do. But, like, why would you then send it in to strangers hosting right. a show? I don't know. I, I mean, it's fine. I don't go excuse myself and then go beat off. It's just like, oh, there's a nice-looking woman. And, right. you know, you keep sending it in. I don't know what to do. And I don't know what thing, I'm supposed to do. And all we know these people by, for the most part, is their screen name, their right. text name. So, like, I, like, it's like, now I respect Shrimply Pibbles. Like, <laughs> Shrimply just, Pibbles has been very active with it. Yeah. And, by the way, Shrimply Pibbles legitimately has, if that's his wife, I have no idea who I he is. I think it is because he's in the picture. Okay. Well, I don't know him, though. Point, point, case in point. Like we don't know. Like I don't know who. Well, that's like the swing game board member thing. <laughs> like they're like convinced it's him, but the woman is her. I'm like it's they're both of them. It's both of them. <laughs> right. I mean, what do you think? This guy has a million different pictures with the, that he's propped up so he can send them into. <laughs> right. It's seeking validation, but we don't know who you are. For the most part. I mean, again, it's fine. It doesn't really hurt anything. It's not no. like we take them and then send them out. It's just, I would be curious. I'd like the psychology. Of the 
wife pick sent in to TMA. Yeah. And I don't know who I don't know who can answer that for me. Well, we better get Dan Phoenix on the horn. Dan Phoenix is active. Yeah. He sent in his whole damn camera roll the other day. <laughs> off the top so of your weird. head. <laughs> so weird. Off the top of your head, what situation, if you can remember one, has led to like the biggest just influx of te- something killed it a couple weeks ago. Oh god, yeah. What was that? Well, you're right. Oh, it was the guessing game. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, that it, it, it broke the text. Yeah, that it, it truly yeah. did. Like people say, oh, it broke the internet, but that really broke. And it took me a few minutes to realize that they that the thing couldn't handle the number of texts coming in. But I've seen it in person a couple of times when when Iggy will say something and it's just like a oh, slot yeah. machine. Just, and it's so crazy. the thing that you know, and I don't know if I, I don't know again. I'm I don't know what irritates me, which is why I'm like, why the fuck did I say that about the Chiefs and their fans? You know, because it's like I don't care. But uh, like. Now you see it. It's like, man, you know, Tim only reads the texts that are about Iggy. It's like, well, come and look at the text inbox. Yeah. The texts are about Iggy. Yeah. If there is a rare one, I don't know who gets shit more, me or Doug, but they're so limited. You don't really, I guess you're, I guess the, the, the rankings of the shit given via the text inbox, there's no way that we will dispute this because we see the same thing. So mm-hmm. how? who's number one? Iggy. Who's two? Wildhawk. Who's three? I guess me. Yeah. And then, I don't know, on four or five because it's you really like they way. don't really... Yeah. Like, Doug used to get it when, when we had politics yeah. conversations. Or I would get it because they were mad at Doug <laughs> and then they were mad at me. Why are you <laughs> letting him do this? Right. That was, that, that, that's another one. I'd just be like, how do you... What, why? I, like, if somebody emailed Doug complaining about something I said, I... What? fuck are they emailing you and i never understood that i still don't I, I i'll be in a coffin and i won't understand that one. as small of a part as i have had with you guys over the course of almost a year now every once in a while i will get an instagram dm wanting me to hold usually plowboy accountable on something and, the strange, and then don't you want to just go hey who do you contact you, him yeah it's a bitch move. I mean, that's that's how I view it. It's a bit like when Jay came in and we were, I don't know what it was. It was something about our decision, I guess, my contract being up at KFNS and how that was written about in the Post-Dispatch. And I guess at one point, for some reason, I don't know why, and I'm not saying this to mock him, but it did happen. I When Bernie Miklas came to KFNS, I came on his show a few times. And I guess it was during the pandemic. And so I would just do it from, oh, were you there? It was right that? when I, it was Bernie's okay. first day was my first oh, day. Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. Oh, then there you go. Perfect timing. And so I just joined him from my basement on, you know, I don't know, probably wasn't even Zoom, probably just the KFNS connection. Yeah, yeah, you were probably in the era of, what's that? And I guess John Hadley would sit in there with him during the show, and for some reason he brought up the fact that I was a free agent in 13 months and that they were working on a contract extension. So something that that was, oh, you remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Something that was, you know... A pri- like my contract here is up in 13 months, but I doubt like Kiowski's gonna pop in and like mention it on, on, on like the show. on like uh, like like Courtney, <laughs> like yeah. Courtney's show, <laughs> you know. And so I'm like, oh, and then Bernie goes, oh, well, hold on, are we breaking some news here? So, you know? <laughs> Probably and Bernie it, was in a tough spot right, too. His yeah, first show. I mean, it was, it, and he was of course in a great set of mind because he had just started there, and right. it was all good. It was fine. I didn't. I'm just like, oh, well, now this is now going to be discussed, and so then since it was. Then Jay, of all people, would get, like, these big missives sent to him asking, you know, what we were going to do. And I go, why don't they just email me? Like, I can answer some questions. Certainly, if I know, I might have to say I can't say anything. But otherwise, like, why are you reaching out to Jay? 
And I remember there was a day at KFNS, I can still picture it, where he goes, well, if you're going to take questions, let me just read this one here, or something <laughs> like that. It was like this long thing, and I go, what in the hell? Why wouldn't somebody just reach out to me? I don't understand that. So you now have seen people are mad with the Plowhawk about a take, yeah. and I just go, why wouldn't you? I mean, it happens. I get these on the Hubbard email thing, uh, you know. Well, I mean, even, but in a way, it's a good, like, here's, here's how I started the podcast. They were the, the one I sent to you. Mm-hmm. And then that one was more complimentary to you, obviously, speaking as somebody who's Jewish, but how we handled that conversation last week about Israel. Uh, they just didn't have your email address. Right. So maybe that's it. But I mean, my, my I'm pretty out there with my email address, you know? And you've always been pretty forthcoming saying if you got a question email me i want you to but i always I wondered if it to. wasn't because jay had like a relationship with the fan page and the listening audience where he was in mixing it up with them more well, i i suppose so Th- that brings me to something that just popped up and i've i've theorized this before and it there is in uh in i don't know what year it was oh maybe 2014 or 15 on my facebook page you get facebook memories that pop up i guess that's how i used to communicate with the audience you know, and how different I was treated. And it's, in a way, it, it actually, I don't it makes me sad, is, is, would certainly be overstating it, but it was eye-opening because in 2014 or 15, we did a partnership at 920 with Emmis, which owned 105.7 The Point and Casey and 97.1 and a 96.3, and ironically, by the way, the partnership was we simulcast 920 on 105.7 HD2. Mm-hmm. And it was a significant step to have that partnership because they were going to sell it as well as be on the FM dial. And that's 20. It couldn't have been 16 because we left there in 16. And it, But either way, like 15. And we, know we had the 105.7 HD2, I think, then we went to KFNS in 16. But either way, it, it started at 920. And I announced it there. And a number of the people whose names I recognize, who I know I can count on to like, you know, usually it's more passive aggressively shit on me now were like in my own personal feed, like so happy for complimenting and like fired up and all this stuff. And so help me. I trace it back to the article in which my salary or my contract was was publicized. Mm. And that's when everything changed. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not angry about it, but it's just, it's an eye-opening thing because I went from like the man of the people to, oh, well, fuck him, you know? And that's when it was like, oh, well, he's in charge of everything. I went like, like when the man and woman thing happened, which was a decade ago now, the support we had was, God, it was, it was, it was unanimous. I mean, as it, it was, certainly it was kind of obvious what was going to happen hmm. if you had any clue, but also the support was unanimous before we succeeded and that thing failed. And it's just not the way that it is anymore. And I don't know what will ever change that. I feel like, if anything, I've done more sacrificial things in the last seven years than I did before that article, but that truly changed it. I, I think. I mean, I don't know that, and I'm sure nobody's going to, you know, write that, but that that was... That was it. That was the change. That was to, to me. That was the change because it's not like I'm doing anything differently. If anything, I think I'm probably more calm mm-hmm. <laughs> now. And but that was it because uh, I read that in 2014, and I'm just like, holy shit! Look at this. 
like all the support. And it was about an HD2 announcement. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. But that that is what I trace it to. Because I know I haven't, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, they must be aware that I, like, you know, fucked somebody's wife or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, you know, I don't know. Right. So yeah. I don't, I don't the know. Timeline, there's, right. yeah, there's That's a it. Point. That's it. It's, right. it's, it's, it's uh, June of 2016. Yep. I get that. It's June of 20. I, I, I believe, unless, maybe you know. I mean, you're, you're still kind of listener slash TMA. Are you aware of anything? I've wondered this, wandered this, wondered nurse this aloud. What, in terms of like rumors or things about? I, I don't know. I just, I just, I just saw that and I'm just like, that is, like, if I were to post something now, which I like the idea of me even doing that. Making like just a standalone <laughs> Facebook post? I used to love when I you would, would think, I would think you had been like, you're like a hostage. I've been hacked. Yeah, I used like to you're love hostage. when you would like update people on where you were going to be out having booze or oh, your, yeah. well, your, updates from, your updates from, your updates from Vegas. And I'm like, hey, yeah, oh my God. And, this sh- and we were really doing some good crazy creepy shit, you know? But that's how I used Twitter and Facebook as like a group text in a way. So sometimes those will pop up and I'll be like, oh my God, I truly think like my buddies who, uh, you know, at that time were probably, well, even younger than, than you are now, a little older than you are now, Jackson, um, had to be like, God, he's got to like have a coke habit you know he's he's got a you know something's off he's always in las vegas he's always posting kind of like lack of self-awareness shit we're we have two-year-olds and three-year-olds you know i guess something just happened you know not the first guy we know who started doing junk you know (laughs) but but it's just kind of surprising he's you know 33 and just you know just a fucking mess social media is different back then it was but also like i look at it and go what like it'd be one thing if i was like 22, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I was in my mid thirties <laughs> and I, and now I look at life, like if my buddies were doing that now, I mean, again, now we're talking mid forties, but still I just feel like at this point, I'd be like, Oh, you know, he, he went through a divorce and he's trying to get laid and Hey, God bless. You know, I understand the program, but I was not, <laughs> and I was just like a fucking mess, but I wasn't a mess. I mean, we were having a great time and I was with the same person I'm with now, just acting like a fucking lunatic, you know? Those social media memories are a blessing and a curse because it's nice to relive some of that stuff, but I'll see some sort of crazy status update that I post. Oh, my God. I delete it. Oh, I I do, too. I I don't want to be reminded of that. I don't look. But I mean, a lot of it's like your exit poll suggestions from 2010, you know, or Jay with feet all over his face. Yeah. No, know, that's, that's good. That's the good shit. That, that's the good shit. Absolutely. Good shit. KG, to your question about something in my memory that spurred the text line to almost explode, the the one that always comes to mind is when Iggy planted a picture of Lana Rhodes in the text line. Incredible. And then somebody sent a picture in a Lana. Right, of Lana Rhodes, and and then Tim. Oh. Yeah. Picked it out and it was like, "Is that your phone number?" Yeah, well, I mean, I I just I rec I like looked at the number and I go, "I recognize that." Like, I still can like there are very few phone numbers. I don't know your number off the top of my head. Or your number, your number, Peter, off the top of my head. I mean, uh-huh. how many people know phone numbers? But Iggy's, I've His been calling stands forever. Out. I guess it does, but also I just like God. I know that number, and then I just figured I'm like, "Oh, this is God." It's gonna be disappointing because this is like somebody I know, and now he's like a texter trying to cause shit. Yeah. That's what I was thinking it was. I wasn't looking to, like, out him. And then I'm like, hold on, Iggy, is that your number? <laughs> like, I was it just, like, kind of played out all over the air. Yeah, I was. he was sitting right behind me. We were at KFNS. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I might like, have what to, the fuck is going on? I might have to hunt that segment down tonight. Oh, I'm sure it. it's in I there. was doing it from my 
Cable and Jupiter. Yeah. I remember it. I'm sure that that's already in the skeleton. Yeah. Because that I, was certainly one I had cut and brought over from KFNS. If it's oh, not wow. in there, it can easily Breaking be news. put. Uh, for those, everybody in this room know, uh, I'd sent Joe Buck like 15 spots to cut. And I'm like, boy, this is going to be... <laughs> And I get, he just did it, and then he just sent it back, didn't even say oh, anything. Oh, they're done. They're done. Oh, that a boy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's I, why I'm like, I want. I just want to say this any chance I get. Anytime, it's like the way I was so adamant about Joe Strauss, and I felt like I was out, outspoken about Joe Strauss after he passed, because I didn't do it while he was alive. Uh, I think people knew Burwell was a good guy, but they just didn't agree with a lot of his stuff. I didn't agree with a lot of his stuff. It's, it's, there was a, we, we had a one-on-one face-to-face conversation one time at Rams Park about Rush Limbaugh, and I was like, taking Rush Limbaugh's side, that was when he said the media was, that was, he phrased it weird, but wanted to see a black quarterback succeed. And anyway, Burwell and I had this conversation. I still disagree with him to this day about his mindset on it. Neither here nor there. I thought the world of Brian Burwell. But people knew Burwell was a good guy. If they didn't like him, they were usually, you know, you could figure it out, the mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but Strauss was a great guy, but who, you know... Publicly, you would never think that. And uh, now people I don't think necessarily think Joe isn't a good guy. I think I don't think people understand how great of a guy Joe Buck is. That's what I'm talking about now. And, and, and so any chance I get to say it, I want to say it. Because I think that there are oftentimes that people get miscategorized either in the good way or the bad way. And... That's not my job for you to figure it out, but <laughs> I will tell you when I'll do it on the good side. And Brian Burwell, Joe Strauss, and Joe Buck is, and I'm not saying it just because he emailed me back. I mean, this is this is this goes back to the fucking 1990s. He is just a great fucking guy who does not need at all to be as great of a guy. I mean, he's like hosting the Guns and Hoses thing next Wednesday night, and he's doing spots for it. You know, he's just doing it. He, Makes like I don't even know what the fuck you want. I think I have an idea what he makes. I mean, he's done, he doesn't need to be obviously doesn't need to be doing. It. He's just like, but he just does. He's a kind, good person. He is the kind of person that I admire, not just because of his you know situation, but because of the way that I know he could go about treating people. But he does treat people, and so any chance I get a chance to say it, I want to say that to drive that home. One of the under-the-radar things I love about Joe Buck was the Tim Kirkjian impression he oh, used yeah. to. Hey, hey guys, how you doing? doing? <laughs> He's a 101 listener, and he will occasionally text me to opine, but I must leave it at that. <laughs> Is he tiny pee-pee? No, 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 he's not. <laughs> what a revelation not, that no, would the, be. The, the texts come to my phone, not into the, the 101 text inbox. Um, so, uh, there it is, KG and O-Town. Even when I plan on going, uh, brief, what, what do we do here? Do we do an hour and ten minutes? Hour five. That's, a, that's, a, that's an abbreviated emergency QFTA. That's a nine-iron flighted. It is. Yeah. Abbreviated finish. That is. Well, I appreciate you having me in. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, what an experience. Sorry we know erotic stories. I don't know what to tell you. I might fabricate one for under a pen name here for oh, you. Oh, is that right? Point. Yeah. I, uh, I, we had him. It was Gangster Pete's buddy. But that was usually just him by himself. That was self-erotica. That was self-erotica. Deebs. Yeah. His name. Send uh, anything in you want. Anything gets read. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to our sponsor, studio sponsor, Longo Bigs, online at LongoBigs.com. Um, got to know those guys really well. Good people. Uh, Doug Biggs, CD, CD uh, Longo, uh, Longo Biggs uh, will take care of you and your personal injury needs. 
Um, they were at the, or Doug was at the trivia night this week, and uh, they are TMA listeners. They are local. They are here in the community, and they will take wonderful care of you. They care about their reputation, so they're going to make sure that they take great care of you. And on top of it, they are going to handle your case. It's not going to be delegated to someone else. That's Longo Biggs online at longobigs.com. Also, carltoninsurance.net. Mark Hanna at Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton at carltoninsurance.net, Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling at designairservice.com, and Jamie Burkhard, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganast, and Ryan Seiberg at Munganast, St. Louis Acura, and Munganast Burkhard, Alton Toyota, stlouisacura.com, and altontoyota.com. For Peter Rep making his debut, for KG and O-Town making his debut, for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show from the Longo Biggs Studio.